I'm Bernie Crane. I'm John Crane. You're listening to the Jazz Session with Jason Crane, our dad. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is sponsored by Matt Rock, Murat Verdi, and Nicholas Payton. This is episode 385. As I'm recording this, I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina, where I'm spending a couple of days uh, in the company of a, a friend of mine from Twitter. He, as it turns out, is a baker, and uh, you can find the stuff that he and his uh, partner bake at Just Crumb. Dot com. It's definitely worth checking out, justcrumb.com here in Raleigh. They do a lot of custom baking of all kinds. I am heading on tomorrow, or actually as you're listening to this today, to Atlanta, Georgia, where I'll be spending some time in the organ booth at uh, the Atlanta Braves game because the organist there, Matthew Kaminsky, who you'll find on Twitter at Braves Organist, is also a jazz organist, and we've communicated over the years, and now that I'm on this tour, I'm going to hang out with him and find out about his life and uh, get to see a Major League Baseball game from the organ loft, which I'm really excited about. I have no idea what that's going to be like. And then on Friday, the 29th of June, 2012, is the first of two events I'm doing in Auburn, Alabama, at a place called the Newsroom, which is actually G-N-U apostrophe S, room. I'm doing a poetry reading on Friday at 7 p.m., and then on Saturday at 7 p.m. at the exact same place, I'm going to talk about the Jazz or Bus Tour. Uh, I'm going to be interviewed there, and also there'll be some live music provided by a group of musicians, including my friend Patrick McCurry, who's uh, hosting me while I'm in Auburn. After that, I hope to go down to Birmingham, Alabama, and talk to Doc Adams, and I may stick in a couple other extra stops also, and then head to New Orleans in July. I'm going to spend most of the month of July in New Orleans. And then uh, actually in August, I'm going to head back up to the Northeast and hang out with my kids for a month in Pennsylvania and also catch up on all the shows that I've recorded so far on the tour. And then in September, I'll be back out on the road and uh, I'm figuring out whether I'm going to go kind of down to the Southwest first, like Texas and Arizona and Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, or whether I'm going to go straight to the West Coast first. And some of that is determined by uh, other people and their schedules. So I'll let you know as soon as I know. But the uh, Jazz or Bust tour will continue. The first phase of it will continue through the end of July. And then in August, I'm going to take a little break so I can spend some family time. And then in September, back out on the road. If you'd like to support this tour, there are two ways to do that. One is to make a one-time donation at thejazzsession.com slash tour. You can go there and donate anything from 10 bucks to a thousand bucks. And there are thank you gifts at all of those levels. Uh, the, the basic one is everybody gets a postcard from the road. And so in every town, I've been buying several postcards and sending them out to folks from various places. In fact, uh, just in, where was I? In Knoxville, I found a postcard from uh, a mill, I think like a grain mill, maybe a grist mill, that was called the Mingus Mill. So a few of you are going to get postcards from uh, the Mingus Mill. I'm just sending them out in the order that folks made donations. So uh, they're they're on their way. And then, so you can go to thejazzsession.com slash tour, make a donation there. There's postcards and t-shirts and CDs and all kinds of stuff. Or you can become a recurring member of the show at thejazzsession.com slash join. And uh, in fact, two people uh, just did that today, which is uh, very, very exciting. So let me send out uh, some thank yous to brand new members, William Kessel uh, from Ithaca, New York, and Hans Niebuhr from Winterthur in Switzerland. Very exciting to hear from uh, from both of them and to get new members. It's always cool, too, to get new members from uh, far-flung places. I usually can't say far-flung. That was one of the few times I've actually done it on the on the first pass-through. So those are the ways to support the show. You can follow what I'm doing at jasoncrane.org. I'm posting daily tour diaries there with photos and uh, poems and recordings of poetry readings and then, you know, a narrative of, of what I'm doing 
And uh, I think it's kind of fun, but uh, judge for yourself by going to jasoncrane.org, and you can follow the tour that way. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at Jason D. Crane, D as in David. You can also join the mailing list. Just go to thejazzsession.com, and up at the top, click on mailing list. If you do that, each week around Thursday or Friday, I will send you uh, an email which tells you who's on the show that week and gives you links to other things related to the tour and other things in the jazz and occasionally poetry worlds. My guest today is Pete Zimmer. He's been on the show twice. The first time was, I think, more than 300 shows ago. This is now show 385, and he was on very early in the life of the show. He's got a brand new album out called Prime of Life. We'll hear a track from that, in fact, the title track, and then my interview with Pete Zimmer. My guest is the drummer Pete Zimmer, who's got a new album called Prime of Life. It's great to have you back on the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Jason. It's great to be here. We were just saying that you were on episode number 10, and this is going to be, I don't know, somewhere around 380 or so that you're on this time. I think, you, other than... you, No, actually, I was going to say other than uh, the person who was on episode number one, who was then back four years later, but it's been five years for you, because it was the end of April of 2007. So you might be the longest returning guest, which is cool. Welcome back. It's well, great thank to have you, you so much. It's great to be back. I'm I'm happy to, to be here and speak I, with you again. I'm yeah. a little amazed that the show's still going on. When you came on on show number 10, I think that was also the number of listeners that there were to the jazz <laughs> session. It yeah, you like so. certainly have, have grown throughout the years, and, and I've been uh, following everything you've been doing and enjoying the, the, the program. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a great pleasure to be back, and congratulations on, on your success Thanks, and the man. show's success. Yeah. Well, same back at you. I, uh, I think I most recently ran into you in Detroit. Um, yes. where you were on tour. And mm -hmm. uh, I want to ask you a question that I actually thought of while I was writing out here, um, which was I, I was hoping you would talk to me a little bit about swing and where you see it in terms of its relevance to what's happening today in jazz and where you find yourself kind of in that spectrum. Oh, well, thank you, Jason. Um, I mean, that type of jazz, I mean, obviously there's tons of, there, there's a, uh, tons of different types of, of jazz within the jazz genre, but... Um, uh, the swing, uh, straight ahead jazz is, is something that I like, you know, I've always just kind of gravitated towards, um, for whatever reason, I, I don't really know if it's been a conscious decision on my part, but I've just, um, you know, once I, I started, uh, when I was younger and, uh, listening to, to Miles Davis and John Coltrane and the, those, you know, Philly Joe Jones, Jimmy Cobb and Elvin Jones, um, just th their feel that they that came through their music, um, the swinging aspect of, of how, um, you know, they would lock up with the, the, the bass and, and the, the, the rest of the rhythm section, whether it was a piano or guitar or, or whatnot. Um, just really always, I just gravitated towards that feeling. And, um, like I said, I don't think it was really necessarily a conscious thing. It's just something that, that grabbed me. And, um, you know, that, that when I play, um, you know, for those who have, have checked out my music, uh, on my, 
records or see me play live know that that's you know what what my forte is you know and uh not that i don't love all the types of you know jazz or you know other genres of music i I love you know i think it was duke ellington who said there was two kinds of music good or bad so i mean i i feel the same way but um as far as how i play i really love to 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 get in you know playing those quarter notes those strong uh locking in with the bass player who has a big fat beat uh, quarter note pulse and just really driving the rest of the band um and as far as what your question was how i foresee it going on in the in the yeah, future or, or, yeah even or, even where swings places in, in yeah. today's jazz i mean it seems well, like there's a lot of kind of straight eighth stuff happening there is this yeah day. yeah and i mean and that's cool too of course um i mean i think i don't think swing is dying or has that is has ever died or you know some people's like oh that's you know that's history that's been done um you know i, I mean and it has yes of course but the way it's being played today even though um you know it's being done in a modern uh sort of way and there there's still those traditional aspects that that you know have the, the the our forefathers the masters of this music have have laid for us that that we still um uh incorporate but at the same time i think we're pushing you know i i like to think my music and and, and my group and other groups that i play with are still uh you know we still incorporate that but we're 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 stretching it out and i mean it's 2012 already and and uh you know it's not it doesn't sound like you know 1960 you know or 1959 or 58 with miles you know even though it it, it has that you know you can tell we're, we're coming from that but it's it it has a whole different it doesn't sound to me it doesn't sound anything like it i mean some critics and stuff you know may say oh this is you know they're just playing hard bop and this and that but you know i mean i think if you really listen to it and then compare it to what you know miles or coltrane did i mean yes there are certain elements of that but we're we're doing it our own way and and i I think i think that's the that's the healthy way to do it Can you talk about some of the things that you think are happening these days that differentiate it from what was happening back then? Oh, well, um, I mean, I, I think uh, rhythmically, I mean, f- for me personally, I, I, I think, I mean, I think every musician has their own voice, you know, I think, I think, and I'm, st- obviously I'm still developing my own voice, even though I've, I've sort of uh, already developed it to a certain extent, but, you know, I'm we're continuing to evolve, but um I mean, I, I don't sound like, I don't sound like, I mean, obviously, no one sounds like Alvin Jones, but I mean, I don't, obviously, I don't sound like him, even though I may incorporate some of his feeling and some of his vibe. I don't sound, you know, like Jimmy Cobb, even though I try to incorporate some of some of his stuff, too. But what I've tried to do is take these guys and certain aspects that, that I, I love, you know, about Philly Joe or Jimmy Cobb or Lewis Hayes or Roy Haynes or... Um, you know, all those classic guys, I take bits and pieces and I kind of create, you know, my own thing, um, which I think is, is really, I mean, when you're, I mean, people who invent things, whatever, whatever you're inventing, normally those inventions don't come out of thin air. You know, they don't, they, they come, usually the people who invent things, they take one thing, they take X and they take Y and they combine it and they, that's something new. So that's sort of what I try to do with with my music you know i take certain aspects of of uh you know or of the newer guys too jeff tain watts or, or bill stewart or lewis nash and uh you know i just try to have my ears open whether i'm seeing these guys play live or listening to records and and i hear like you know oh wow look at listen to what he did there that that was really hip maybe i can try doing that at some time so then you know when i'm playing whether it's on a gig or on a session i try to interject some things sometimes it will work sometimes it won't but you know, by trying it out, I, I know what will work. So in the future, I, I will be able to do that. So I think, you know, I mean, I think I have my, I, I think I'm already starting to develop my own voice. And, and I think, um, you know, the more I further my career, the more distinct my own voice will will become in this music. Do you, 
is is the goal to get those things that you hear from other people to become so integrated into your own playing that you're not actually thinking, oh, now I'm going to try this thing when I'm playing? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think it's um, – when I play, I sort of think it's a stream of consciousness. You know, I – and um, – one of my mentors, George Garzon, who I've been, uh, uh, you know, good fortune to play with and study with originally. That's uh, I met him at the New England Conservatory, but he was he was a one guy who's who's known for you know, you know, he would be like, when you play, don't think, you know, if if somebody's you know maybe not, you know, he feels they aren't playing up to their potential or the way they should. He's like, you know, you're thinking too much. Just don't think and just play and don't, you know. Yeah. So when, when I'm when I'm actually playing, you know, it's it's a different mindset. When I'm practicing, obviously I'm thinking a lot, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm working on this, I'm trying to do this and that. But then when I go and play with with a group, you know, I kind of forget all that, and I think what I practice, you know, does come through eventually. Whether you know, sometimes it takes, you know, six months. I may be practicing something, and it doesn't really come through in my plane for like another six months to a year. Sometimes I, I find out that's often. You know, I'll be working on something, but then, and you know, I'll be, I'll, I'll start to get it, and then another six months, I'll be playing with some people, and it will just come out, and I'll be like, oh yeah, that's that thing that I was working on six months ago, and you know, so yeah, when I'm playing with a group, I, I really, you know, I just kind of, it's yeah, like I said, a stream of consciousness, and I'm just trying to, to, to fit in within the context of what's going on around me, you know, what the other musicians are playing. So it's, you know, it, it has a place and I'm not, you know, playing things just to play things randomly that it's within, that it's appropriate. find now that you can listen to yourself and say oh yeah that's that's me that's something that is my my style or my personality um, yeah i mean usually yeah i mean definitely i mean I, I i know yeah i mean and sometimes it's i mean most of the time actually you know it's it's hard for me to listen to my i think that's common for every jazz musician you know because you always hear things that you know you you hear you know things maybe that you didn't quite execute and you could hear me i mean even though other people listening to you they, they they can't hear that but you're like oh yeah i wish i would have done this here you know i mean oftentimes but it's good to do that because that's you know you got to be critical of yourself and and um that's one of the best ways to learn is is to listen to yourself and then you know maybe next time you might do something different but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's oftentimes it's, yeah, it's usually difficult for my, to listen to my own, you know, to, to myself, but it's, you know, it's good to do as well. Uh, on, uh, Prime of Life, uh, George Garzon is back and the two of you have been working together for years now on, yes. on his recordings and your recordings, mm -hmm. uh, and with a teacher student relationship and then a, a colleague's relationship. Are you still finding, uh, surprises, still finding new areas to travel into with George? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, um. You know, I, I feel like I'm just, yeah, like you said, I mean, we've been working together since I was a student at Boston. He started hiring me originally. I think the first few gigs he hired me for was I was subbing for Bob Gulati with the Fringe and uh, at the Lizard Lounge they were playing at that time. And, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I've gotten much more comfortable playing with him, but um, I feel like I'm I'm just beginning to now to like really 
yeah, I mean, I'm still not, obviously, I'm not on his level. He's, he's much older than me, and he's a complete master, and, and that's something I'm working towards. But I feel like I'm getting closer to, 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 really, uh, to, to, to really hanging with him. You know, I, I mean, I think the CD is, is, you know, pretty good proof in itself of, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, the music speaks louder than any words, really. But, um, but yeah, I still find, yeah, I mean, he's still, he comes up with new things all the time, and I'm, I'm, he catches me off guard sometimes, and then I, you know, I have to figure out a way to react to it, and, uh, and that's, that's the beauty of this music, and, and someone, you know, playing with somebody like George Garzon, who, who, you know, not only can play, uh, you know, inside within the chord changes, but then when he goes out there, you know, you, you kind of, you got to really be on your toes to, to, to really, you know, try to, try to keep up with him and, and support him and stuff, but it's always such a great pleasure playing with, with George, and, and he's always been there for me, and, and, uh, and uh, you know, I've really, really been lucky to, 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 you know, still to this day continue to work with him quite a bit. Is it interesting to to kind of change that relationship where you know in the beginning there was a clear you know teacher student delineation and and then over I mean certainly over the years this, this is yeah. not the first example of it but you've then become the band leader and he's I mean effectively a side yeah. man in your project I mean we yeah yeah for this I mean we've we've kind of go back I mean I sometimes we we play in each other's groups still you know sometimes he'll call me for his gigs and I'll call him for my gigs and it's uh, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of been, yeah, we, we went from a student-teacher relationship, and, and now it's more of a, you know, we're on the same page, I feel, you know, we, we like to hang out, and, and, you know, besides music, we like to go out and, and have fun with, with other friends and stuff like that, and we, you know, it's, he, he's, I consider him a close friend of mine at this point, and, uh, you know, so I, I'm, you know, I think, uh, yeah, it's it's really, it's really, it's, I've, I've been very lucky to, to, to have him, uh, you know, throughout the course of my career this far and look forward to all this stuff in the future that i know is coming up sure so. i talk about the other two players on this record if you will. well yes um very fortunate to have the the great peter bernstein on guitar and um i mean i don't really need to introduce him i don't think he, everybody knows him and you know one of the very best uh out there for the past 25 30 years i guess on the new york scene and also uh on bass is a, is a great friend of mine who's about my age uh peter slavoff who is a fabulous bassist i originally met him uh in boston i was at uh, new england conservatory and he was at berkeley yeah he's he's a phenomenal bassist who's been working with joe lovano and uh a number of other people recently and um so it's it's uh yeah i mean this group is i i love the thing well there's a lot of things i love about this group but all three of these members i i think just their sounds alone you know george garzon his sound on the tenor saxophone to me to this day is is i think he may have the best saxophone sound out there i mean there's a lot of guys with great sound but he's he's right up there and obviously peter bernstein on guitar i mean he's his sound just his sound alone i mean just talking only about sound with these guys and also peter slavov his sound on bass and you know i've i've been working a lot on my sound too because i mean i i've realized and i've also been fortunate you know in addition to gigs and stuff george garzon and i have also um past few years been been doing a, a number of uh, workshops and clinics educational things and so I, I get to hear george talk about sound and how important sound is and um you know, I've been working a lot on my sound, too, on the drums, and, and really, you know, not only just the tuning and all that, but just getting a good sound out of the drums when you strike the drums, playing through through the head, getting a full sound, and uh, so, you know, I was really so excited, uh, you know, before 
knowing that these guys were going to do the project, I was like, you know, what, what are we going to do? And I, I was, you know, thinking about tunes and stuff we could, we could uh, play and, and compositions that I could write. And I was really, really trying to envision just the combination of this sound. And, and it's really, you know, I, I, I'm really can't be happier with, with the overall, you know, product of the, of the, the music that they, they helped me produce. about working on your sound what are you measuring against how are you how do you know that you're making progress what's what's in your head that you're working toward well i think it i think it's 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 hard to describe i mean it's a, a type of focus you know i think the sound um it needs to be a focus sound whether you know it's on the drums or, or any instrument you know it, it, there, there has to be um you know yeah the sound has to be focused and has to be full and i mean it, it it does have to do with how how you um how you tune the drums but it also has to do with with how you how you hit the drum you know i mean it sounds kind of silly but how you strike the drum where you strike the drum uh you know to get a nice full direct sound oftentimes the best place is to play right in the center of the drum so i i work a lot you know on on you know where my stick placement is and sometimes i like to uh, played more towards the edge of the drum where I'll get a, a totally different sound but I, I only want to do that if I mean to do that you know some drummers you know they might only play at the edge of the drum and they don't it's just a bad habit and, and they don't maybe they don't even realize and they aren't getting a full sound it sounds like a tin can sort of no offense to anybody but <laughs> but uh, some that, that can happen so if you want that sound that's important to be able to do that but um, if you want a nice full you know, sound. You chances are you're, you're going to want to play in the center of the drum. So, um, you know, yeah, it's 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 about having control of the instrument. You know, practicing. I like to practice rudiments. You know, to, still to this day, I think that's uh, very important for you know just being able to physically play the drums. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I like to go out and check out other drummers. I like to check out their sound and how they get sound. I mean, that's that's a big part of it too is to see you know go and hear lewis nash i mean he's got an incredible sound and an incredible technique you know so i like to listen to him i like to listen to jeff tane watts i i like to listen to roy haynes i like to you know see see all and they they all have different sounds you know and that's that's the you know kind of going back to what i was saying before every drummer has their own yeah their own sound and and i like to compare and contrast and see you know and then i kind of fit you know to to what my I, I uh, sorry, I got a little caught up, but I'm trying to incorporate aspects of their sound that I like into my own sound. And um, so, you know, maybe 10 years from now, I may have a different sound. But right now, um, I'm going for a specific sound. And for the most part, I, I usually get it. Yeah. <laughs> now, you play an instrument where, you know, unlike the saxophone or the trumpet or even the piano, your for the most part, your body doesn't isn't the thing that's actually causing the sound to occur like against the drum head there's a, either your drumstick or there's a striker on the bass drum sure. uh, or you're hitting the cymbal with the drumstick there's some intermediary between your body and the actual instrument does that make it more more difficult in some way to create an individual 
sound, as opposed to like an embouchure on a saxophone, where you know no two saxophones have the same mouth, or you know that kind of thing. Um, to a certain degree, but I mean, at the at the same time, I think our body probably does play some sort of a role into it, whether we're we realize it or not. I mean, you think of Elvin Jones. I mean, part of the way he got his sound probably is because he was a you know the sh- he was a big guy. You know, he 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 had long arms and he was he was tall and and. Uh, uh, very, especially early on, he's very fit. I mean, I see some of these YouTube clips, and and he's, you know, he's pretty he's pretty built, and um, so that does probably play a role to a certain degree. Um, you know, I'm I'm obviously not not as I'm shorter than him, and and my arms are shorter, so um, you know I can try to sort of get his sound in different ways, but you know, like I said, I'm I no one's ever going to be able to sound like Elvin Jones because. No one, you know, there is only one Elvin Jones, and you know, people can try to sound like him, but just even his his body makeup and the way he did strike the drum and the way he 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 does move his arms. Every drummer is different, and even though people can try to be like some other drummers, yes, you can get very close. And sometimes I'll hear some drummers that sound very very similar to Philly Joe. I'll, I'll, I'll hear them. I'm like, oh yeah, that's a Philly Joe lick. You know, they they worked on that and they sound and that's that's great, but. Um, it still it doesn't sound exactly like Philly Joe. It sounds it sounds like, you know, it sounds close. But um, so you know, yeah, to a certain degree, I think maybe it does the, the body makeup, and you know, maybe that does affect the sound to a certain degree. Tell me more about the the writing on Prime of Life and sure. how you wrote to take advantage of these sounds. Sure. In- yeah. I mean. I think most of my compositions on on this album, and actually most of my other albums too, I like to write very lyrically uh, to begin with, and I think um, I was at advantage by getting these these fine members, you know, because that is sort of the way I like to write, and not that they can't play uh, very intricate angular melodies, because there are a couple songs on here that you know obviously they can do that too but a lot of my songs are are pretty actually pretty simple the melodies and um i like to use on this album uh i like to use a lot of sustained notes more so especially on the title track prime of life and um what else the 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 ballad that i wrote tranquility Mostly on that ballad, it's mostly whole notes and half notes in the melody. Very simple, but I knew that George Garzon was just going to make it sound so beautiful because of his sound. And, you know, like I said, when we've, I, working with him the past number of years, doing these clinics with him, he would talk about playing ballads and the importance of sustaining the notes. A lot of, a lot of, um, well, he was talking specifically about saxophone players, I guess. But a lot of saxophone players, um, you know, if they aren't used to practicing long tones and really getting a good sound, a lot of times when they it, that comes through, you know, it's very um, you can see that in the ballads very prevalent because a lot of times they'll embellish the melody a lot. They won't play the melody verbatim, and um, they'll be uh, they'll be embellishing the melody partially because they aren't used to sustaining those long notes and, and they aren't able just to keep that long beautiful note going you know whether it, they aren't used to taking a big breath or you know i'm not i'm not an expert with the saxophone <laughs> but for whatever reason so i knew that that george garzon was just gonna nail that melody and 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 he did he, he played it you know there's a couple little tiny embellishments that he did but pretty much he just played it verbatim what i wrote and it's it's he he you know i think he was 
I mean, I, I was obviously I was very happy with it too. But he he was after we recorded. He just he kept talking about tranquility and and uh, you know even on some of the gigs we've been doing on his gigs he he, he pulls that out and and he wants to to play that ballad because he's he's like that's he's like all i need to do is play the melody on that he's like for that ballad i just want to only play the melody he's like i don't really even want to solo on it i just want to play just those whole notes and half notes you know which i mean really anybody could play i mean it's you know i mean anybody could play but can they play it well that's another question you know i mean obviously a middle schooler could probably play that melody they can't play it as well as george garzon can <laughs> by any means but um, you know, it takes years to develop that, and people don't understand that necessarily. I mean, some pe- obviously a lot of people do, but some people, um, they think, oh, this is just a basic melody, but, I mean, listen to how it's played. You know, yes, it is a basic melody, but, um, you know, when it's played by master musicians, it really comes to life and really is... Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just so so lucky to, 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 have, to have them play my music, yeah, and make it sound wonderful, so... playing a ballad on the drum set and what challenges that presents sure yeah that's that's a difficult thing and that's another thing you know people d- d- don't realize that you know ballads for on a drums is, is one of the most difficult things to do um i mean again i i try to think of it i take a simple approach to it um i just try to keep the the, the continuity of the brushes going and um uh keeping the pulse a lot of times drummers someone will count off the ballad and almost immediately because it's a slower tune or maybe it's um, not as intense but a lot of times drummers will almost immediately leg back on the beat and even though it's a ballad I still feel that it needs to have um, you know that forward momentum going and and uh, it's it's difficult to be able to keep that forward momentum on a ballad because it's you know it's it's rather it's not as intense and whatnot but um, I think by keeping the the pulse steady and just keeping it nice and legato and um, adding a little flourishes here and there on the snare drum to to complement what they're doing and, uh, you know, stuff like that, little colors on the cymbals. Um, I think, I think that, you know, that, that's, that's what I try to do. And and I try not to to get in the way of the the other people because there's, you know, nothing worse, especially on a ballad than, than a drummer playing too much, you know? So I just kind of keep the continuity going and, let the band members do do their thing, you know. So it sounds like not overplaying, at least from yeah. your point of view, is one of the, the definitely, keys. definitely, and yeah, and that's that's I mean, even though it sounds simple, but it's not. Especially a lot of young drummers, they'll get in a situation um, where they're they're playing a ballad, and for whatever reason, I think because they feel that if they play rather simply, that that's not good enough. You know, they feel like they need to be more you know do more do there and sometimes you might sometimes yes that's what you need to do but um a lot of times it's just yeah keep it simple that's that's what my philosophy is you know it's it's kind of a a cliche in interpersonal relationships but you'll often hear people say one thing i like about our friendship is we can be quiet together you know we don't always have to be filling up the space with sound and sure. it sounds like in a in a musical setting that 
that's also a hallmark of a, yeah, of a good, a good relationship analogy. In the yeah, yeah, I haven't thought of it that way, but yeah, that's that's a good analogy. I mean, a lot of the analogy that I often think of, um, whether it's the ballad or any type of song or whatnot, but I, I think of, um, you know, artwork, and even though, um, you know, I, I appreciate art, I'm not, I don't know a ton about art, but um, I know whether it's, um, you know, abstract art or you know, any other type of art, there has to be a balance. You know, if it's if it's out of balance, if there's too much, you know, red or too much orange or too much whatever, green or yellow or anything, it's going to, when you look at it, it might not make you feel so good in your stomach. You might not even really realize why, but then, you know, it, it's, it's because it's out of balance. So I, I feel um, the same way in music, you know, that the, whether it's the drummer or, or the, the piano player, guitar player who's comping, um, if they're doing it too much, you know, it's going to get away. It's going to be unbalanced. It's going to tip to the side and people, it's might not give people that great feeling in, in their gut or down their spine that, um, you know, if, if it's in balance, you know, that would, um, you know, that, that would give people that good feeling. So that's another analogy that I think of, but I like yours as well. As a, as a bad leader, particularly in a live setting, are there ways that you can kind of steer that, that movement from the drums? Are there ways that you can, that you can help people, you know, either remember, to get back to the core of the song or that you can fire them up if not enough is happening? Yeah, I mean, I play a little bit differently um, if it's my own group, I guess, uh, than if I, if, as if I'm a sideman. Um, How so? I mean, it's, it's my band, so yeah, I mean, I can, I, I can do whatever I want <laughs> pretty much, you know. I, I'm not going to get fired from my own band, you know, unless, you know, the club owner doesn't want me back. But when I'm playing with another group, I'm a little bit more sensitive to, to the leader and their mm. needs and their wants and their desires. And at the same time, I play the way I play, but I also play the way that, um, you know, they kind of want me to play, I think. I try to you know, do, you know, yeah, fit, fill that role. So anyways, I mean, I don't play, I don't think I play drastically different when I'm playing in my own band, but, um, but yeah, I, I think I have, sometimes I might up the ante a little bit more than I normally would and, and, you know, maybe play, you know, give, give people a little bit more than, than if I were a side man, you know, because it is, because I am the leader. Will you talk about some of the people you've been playing with recently? Sure. Um, well, let's see. I mean, yeah, I've, I've uh, still been playing uh, quite a bit with George Garzon. Uh, I, I've been playing uh, quite a bit with Champion Fulton, uh, a really uh, terrific young um, pianist and vocalist. And um, uh, uh, I guess that's where we, we ran into each other in Detroit. I was that's playing right. the Detroit Jazz Festival with her. And uh, so, yeah, I've been working with her. Well, I've been working with her for a number of years, but... Pretty much the past year, uh, I've been doing most of her gigs. Um, uh, Fuku Tanaka is, a, is another terrific drummer, and he he's, uh, he's, has been traditionally her, her drummer, and I've always filled in, but the, this past year he's been kind of getting busy. So I've kind of stepped in for him and, and really been enjoying. We did a tour down south and, and some, other, uh, some other venues along the East Coast and, and uh, whatnot. So I've been playing quite a bit with her, and that's been fun. Um, I'll just mention for listeners that she was on the show not long ago, so yes. if they look in the archives, they can find that interview. Yep, yep. And that seems like a gig that's particularly well-suited to what we were talking about before, that idea about kind of locking down the swing and being really locked in with the bass player. And Totally, yeah. No, I mean, that's what, that's what that's all about, really. Yeah, they, um, you know, we really, uh, I, I, love, I love that. That's a nice band with Hide Tanaka on bass and, and Champion's father. Stephen Fulton's been playing flugelhorn, and so we, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's been it's been a lot of fun playing with them and and they they all like to swing a lot and play you know we play a lot of uh, a lot of standard tunes and and uh, tunes that people love and and uh it's always you know I, it, it's right up my alley too so i yeah that's that's been fun um besides that yeah i mean i've been playing with a, a number of other groups uh new york i guess and uh um, just freelancing around. I'm going to be, you know, around um, fair amount this summer in New York, and um, uh, I also am pretty active teaching. I do uh, some stuff. I'm going to be teaching um, this summer with the New York Jazz Academy, which is um, uh, a company uh, school that my my good friend Javier Rao started about three years ago. So this is I, I've been on staff with them for about three years. So we're doing a uh, 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 some summer intensives in July and doing that. And besides, you know, between that and playing, it's, it's, it's been pretty good. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Are there, uh, upcoming shows by this band uh, from Prime of Life? We're, we're working on some stuff, uh, for the fall. Yeah. Um, we just, uh, last week we just did the CD release at Smoke Jazz Club, which was really, uh, exceeded my expectations. Um, you know, it's, uh, uh, 
it was all three sets were were were, were totally packed. Uh, I believe a bunch of people actually weren't able to get in. They were lining up outside on wow. the sidewalk, and uh, yeah. So it really, I mean, I was you know he. he you always keep your fingers crossed and hope hope for the best and it really was was the absolute best for for that gig and the music was great and it was it was so great to play with the with the band so we're we're working on a bunch of stuff actually for this fall and um you know uh we'll definitely you know keep keep updated on my website petezimmer.com and you know we we post the gigs and stuff that that's coming up so um yeah there, there there's some exciting things on the horizon for sure And uh, as we draw towards the close here, will you talk about the other things that are happening on the record label itself? Sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, yeah, I guess since the last time I spoke with you, we've been really busy with, with the record label. Um, uh, we've started to expand the artist roster, I guess, in 2009. Uh, we started um, expanding the Tippin' Records artist roster with uh, our first release uh, was by, uh, in addition to my own releases, was by a great trumpeter, Vitaly Golevnev, who's uh, originally from Russia, and uh, um, his first CD, To Whom It May Concern, came out in 2009, and we're actually about to release his, his second CD at the end of June entitled what matters so we we've got two out by him and we also have uh, uh let's see also in i think it came out later in 2009 a really nice album by a friend of mine out of chicago kyle ashy uh who's a great guitarist and uh that album features uh the great uh legendary organist melvin ryan who's best known for his work with west montgomery um, in the late 50s, early 60s, I believe he's on four Riverside recordings with Wes Montgomery uh, from Indianapolis, and also George Flutus, who's a, who's a terrific drummer based out of Chicago. Um, so we did those two in 2009, and then uh, um, we also did a, a record by uh, a, a group of musicians originally from Japan, uh, a band, uh, their, their band name is UOU. And uh, that CD did really well. We got a lot of great airplay and, and, and uh, some, some really nice reviews. That came out in 2010. And um, uh, let's see. Oh, yes, we have one more in addition. And then we have Vitaly Glevnevs that's coming out next month. And then we, in July, we have another project by a young uh, guitarist. It's his debut album. Uh, he's originally from Hong Kong, Tara Verchung. And... Um, He's uh, he's been in New York a few years, about three four years, and has a really nice uh, album entitled My Nocturne, that's coming out um, uh, July 10th, I believe, and uh, and then we've got a couple other uh, releases in the in the wings. For uh, I think we may have one more release this fall. We're we're kind of uh, I don't want to say anything yet because we're just kind of uh, signing them right now and. Uh, once we, we, we make it official, I'll let everybody know. But uh, we're hoping to get that out in the fall. And then we've got a couple other things for, for next year. So, you know, little by little, I, I, you know, I kind of, I, I never really, originally, I never intended on starting my own record label. It just kind of happened. And I, I, I kind of, <laughs> I released my first project. And then I was like, okay, let's do another one. And then before you know it, these other people kind of started asking me, can we release, you know, our projects on your label? And at first I was like, well, maybe, but I, you know, I, I wasn't really sure how to do it and then 
as time passed, I've, I've, I've been able to learn as I go, and I, you know, one thing leads to another, and we're, we've got more artists, and we've got, I get, you know, people send me stuff to my PO box all the time. I get MP3s in my email, and you know, so it's 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 great to have all this interest and all these these other artists because I guess you know we're doing something right if if other people wants to to, to do what what we're doing and, and join join uh, join our team here at Tippin Records. So that makes me feel really good. And, um, you know, I'm really proud of, of all the CDs, not only my own, but all everybody's that, that we've done so far. Um, they're all re- it's all really good music. It's all, I mean, I highly recommend it. Um, you know, definitely check it out. Um, and uh, really proud, proud of what we've done so far and looking forward to the future. My guest is Pete Zimmer. The new album is called Prime of Life. And uh, it's been a pleasure to have you back, man. Thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, my pleasure, Jason. Thank you. music from Pete Zimmer and his new album Prime of Life. I'm Jason Crane. This is The Jazz Session, sponsored by Matt Rock, Murat Verdi, and Nicholas Payton. Please go to thejazzsession.com slash tour to make a one-time donation to my tour. You can contribute money. You can uh, also offer me a place to stay or suggestions of places to go and people to interview. And you can even donate a book to my Kindle, which a lot of people have been doing and is great for me because it gives me something to read without having to spend the very limited amount of travel money that I have. You can also become a recurring member of the show at thejazzsession.com slash join. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Jason D. Crane, and then get out there, please, and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Bye. Bye. Bye.